It's the climax and the center for us as Christians. The story that we've heard again and that we've been living into for this entire week as a community is the climax of each of the four accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In fact, John's gospel is organized around the theme of the hour, the hour for which Jesus came. And this is the hour that we've just heard read for us, the hour of his death. Jesus' death is so central that Paul can say to the Corinthians, For I resolved to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. And that the cross, this first century instrument of torture and execution, has become the worldwide symbol of Jesus' followers is obviously no coincidence or accident. And it's quite simple, really. It's because here at the cross, paradoxically, in a moment that looks like defeat and weakness, all of God's saving purposes and all of God's reconciling purposes at work in his world are accomplished, are being accomplished. The last words of Jesus in in John's account say it all. It is finished. It is finished. Not the words of defeat. Not the words of an accident. But the words of accomplishment. Of completion. We might even say of victory. Hard for us to understand as we hear it read. But it's the accomplishment of this Friday that makes this day And the darkness of this day, so deeply good for you and for me. That all that we've just heard was for us. For you. For me. There's obviously no end to exploring the depth of the power and the wisdom of God that that are displayed on the cross of Christ. What I want to do in these few minutes is to look at two dimensions, two central dimensions of this together, which feature here in John's account. And the first of these is freedom. Liberation. To say those words means in the same breath that we are conjuring up images of enslavement and of bondage. And the biblical picture is really clear on this, that from the beginning, since the days of Adam and Eve, humanity has been in bondage to sin and under the reign of the principalities and powers of this dark world, subject to death, battered by evil. Beginning in the garden and following on ever since, we have been no match for the serpent and his cunning and his crafting. So as passé as the concept of sin is in our world, it remains nonetheless the chief problem. All of us know and have felt its power. Under sin, we're broken. We hurt those we love. We wallow in self-loathing and self-destructive behaviors. 
we envy the gifts of others, we break promises, we objectify others as the means to our ends. And on and on and on. While the concept is passé, the evidence for sin is richly supplied in our world. Chesterton once said that the doctrine of original sin is, quote, the only part of Christian theology which can really be proved. But it's at the cross that this power, a power that is hopelessly too much for you and for me, is undone, defeated, and overthrown. Back in chapter 12 of John's gospel, Jesus says, now, meaning the time, the hour, this hour that has come, now is the judgment of this world, now is the ruler of this world to be cast out. Now. Interestingly, there are no exorcisms in John's gospel. Not one, save this one and great final exorcism that takes place through the hour that has come. In striking out against against Jesus with the full extent of evil's power, Satan overreaches his bounds and finds himself exposed and defeated by the cross. At the cross, the power of evil that harasses us is exhausted and the reign of sin is ended and paradoxically love and life triumph. Jesus is enthroned and the kingdom of God is inaugurated and established. And having dealt thus with our wicked master through the cross, Jesus now sets people free. He sets you free and he sets me free. Paul says it like this in Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Free. In famous, now famous words, Wesley put it like this. Long my, long my imprisoned spirit lay. Fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth. And followed thee. Freedom. Liberation. Here's what this means for you and for me. Our struggles with anger or lust. Or selfish ambition. Or self-hatred. Or shame. Or guilt. Or addiction. And if I didn't mention yours. Just add it in your own mind. Things which have at times captivated us and defined us and determined us and which still make efforts to control us in our day-to-day life. The power behind these things in your life has been broken. It's been defeated. It's been exhausted. And the death that they bring has been defeated. In a very real and true sense. Meaning, these things, whatever they feel like in your life right now, these things are not the masters over you. They do not control you. They do not define you. They don't have power over you. They're not enslaving you. You have a new master whose name is Jesus, who loves you and who leads you into greater and greater levels of freedom and of life. From whatever place it is that you struggle entering into this Good Friday, look upon the cross. Look upon the cross and know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are free. You're free.
The ruler of this world has been cast out. He's been defeated. It is finished. Secondly, on the cross, Jesus not only defeats the wicked master and brings the captives out to freedom, but he also brings to us forgiveness. Because sin not only enslaves us as a power at work in the world, but it also stains. It stains deeply. We were not only bound in a dark prison cell, but we were dirty, very, very dirty. And our filth keeps us from the God, the holy God of life. John takes us there in the very beginning of his gospel. When John the Baptist sees Jesus for the first time, what does he say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Right from the start. How does the Lamb take away sins? But to shed his blood. As we heard from Isaiah, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, in bearing our iniquities he shall make many to be accounted righteous. Back when I worked in the outdoor industry and led uh, new guides on backpacking training trips. We used to play a cruel joke on the first-year guides uh, as they would get ready for their training. They'd put their backpacks out by the bus uh, outside the lodge and uh, wait for them to be loaded on the bus. And while they were away getting water or food, uh, those of us who were senior guides would take big rocks and empty their packs and stuff the big rocks deep down in their backpack, only to be discovered uh, after miles of difficult hiking that these things had been placed there. Jesus, instead of loading us down with rocks, at the cross takes our rocks and loads them into his own pack. We were tainted. We were guilty. And in the cross, our guilt, along with our shame, is is literally handed over to Jesus. Placed upon Jesus. And he's crushed under their weight. But we are cleansed. Set free. And Isaiah says it was the will of the Father to do this. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And Jesus willingly and voluntarily takes these burdens upon himself. He opened not his mouth. It is for this hour that I have come. There is no sin in your life too severe, too habitual, too painful, too shameful that his death does not cover. That his blood does not cleanse. The weight, the shame, the guilt of our sins, of our self-seeking and of our self-indulgence, we must carry it no more. 
These are laid upon Jesus. They're forgiven. It is finished. It is finished. Thanks be to God. Freedom, freedom and forgiveness. Freedom and forgiveness. We we cannot liberate ourselves and we cannot cleanse ourselves. But it's not that we don't try or think that we can. A few weeks ago, while riding on the T, I saw an advertisement for a play at Emerson College. I don't know anything about the play. I didn't look this up at all. I just know what I read on the advertisement. I was struck by the title, as you'll see. The title was Not by Bread Alone. I thought, well, that's interesting. These are Jesus' words in the wilderness. A reference to Moses' words in Deuteronomy. Rich, deep, biblical words. Jesus' words that express this great truth of our need and our dependence upon God himself. The only sufficient one. Which made the subtitle to this play all the more shocking. Quote, a triumphant celebration to the indomitable human spirit. End quote. You know what indomitable means? Unconquerable. Unshakable unbeatable, essentially free. Free. So it's not by bread alone, but by the insurmountable strength that resides inside of me. The denial of our need is everywhere around us. Though we are but a breath, a flower that fades, we reject the ancient of days, believing that we can liberate and cleanse ourselves. We can set ourselves free. We can take care of it on our own. We can lift ourselves out of darkness into this marvelous light that is human progress and progression and civilization. You know what the cross is in a world like this? In a world that is mocking God by self-sufficiency. Just like the passers-by were mocking Jesus on the cross saying, if you are the Son of God, save yourself, come down, and we'll believe. The cross is God's rebuke. It's God's rebuke to that pervasive, insidious, and mocking lie that is everywhere around us. But what a sweet, what a sweet and loving rebuke that it is. Instead of leaving us in captivity, he sets us free. Instead of striking us down, he strikes himself down. And instead of leaving us filthy, he cleanses us with his blood. He has met our need. Even when we didn't know we had it. Even when we still mock him. He has defeated our enemy even when we didn't know he was there. He has set us free when we didn't know that we were in bondage. He's washed us even though we thought we were already clean. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And he has loved us, as John says in his transition moment in chapter 13, verse 1, to the end. 
to the end. There can be no greater love. There can be no more degree, higher degree of love, no greater intensity of love than the story that we've just heard read for us tonight that we've been reflecting on all of this week. He loves us to the end so that we might be free. So that we might be clean. So that we might live. Live. It is finished. It is finished. You are free. It is finished. You are cleansed. You are forgiven. So we stop today. And we stare at the cross. And we yield. We yield to this loving rebuke. We yield to this instrument of liberation and victory. We yield to the blood that flows from his hands, his feet, and his side that washes over every stain. And we receive. Forgiven, and free and we worship we worship the lamb who was slain who is the one who overcomes he is overcome it is finished amen